my nieces and nephews, and welcome to Auntie Jojo's Library. My library is open to all listeners, but it was created for my wonderful nieces and nephews. This episode, we are going to continue reading chapters from Pippi Longstocking. And I only say it slowly like that because I like to sometimes call it Pippi Longstockings. So I say the title of the book slower so that I say it correctly. So this episode, we'll be reading chapters four, five, and six. Chapter four, Pippi goes to school. Of course, Tommy and Annika went to school. Each morning at eight o'clock, they trotted off hand in hand, swinging their school bags. At that time, Pippi was usually grooming her horse or dressing, dressing Mr. Nielsen in his little suit, or else she was taking her morning exercises, which meant turning 43 somersaults in a row. Then she would sit down at the kitchen table and, utterly happy, drink a large cup of coffee and a piece of bread and eat a piece of bread and cheese. Tommy and Annika always looked longingly towards Villa Vicula as they started off to school. They would much rather have gone to play with Pippi. If only Pippi had been going to school too, that would have been something else again. Just think what fun we could have on the way home from school, said Tommy. Yes, and on the way to school too, said Annika. The more they thought about it, the worse they felt to think that Pippi didn't go to school, and at, and at last they determined to try and persuade her to begin. You can't imagine what a nice teacher we have, said Tommy artfully to Pippi one afternoon when he and Annika had come for a visit to Villa Vicula after they had finished their homework. If you only knew what fun it is in school, Annika added, I'd die if I couldn't go to school. Pippi sat on a hammock, bathing her feet in a tub. She said nothing, but just wiggled her toes for a little while so that the water splashed around everywhere. You don't have to stay so very long, continued Tommy, just until two o'clock. Yes, and besides, we get Christmas vacation and Easter vacation and summer vacation, said Annika. Pippi bit her big toe thoughtfully, but still said nothing. Suddenly, as if she had made some decision, she poured all of the water out on the kitchen floor so that Mr. Nielsen, who sat near her playing with a mirror, got his pants absolutely soaked. It's not fair, said Pippi sternly without paying attention to Mr. Nielsen's puzzled air about his wet pants. It is absolutely unfair. I don't intend to stand it. What's the matter? asked Tommy. In four months, it'll be Christmas, and then you'll have Christmas vacation, but I? What do I get? Pippi's voice sounded sad. No Christmas vacation. Not even the tiniest bit of Christmas vacation? She complained. Something will have to be done about that. Tomorrow morning, I'll begin school. Tommy and Annika clapped their hands with delight. Hooray! We'll we'll wait for you outside the gate at 8 o'clock. Oh no, said Pippi. I can't begin that early. And besides, I'm going to ride to school. And ride she did, exactly at 10 o'clock the next day. She lifted her horse off the porch, and a little later, all the people in town ran to their windows to see what horse in what, to see what horse it was that was running that way. This is to say they thought he was running away, but it was only Pippi in a bit of a hurry to get to school. 
She galloped wildly into the schoolyard, jumped off the horse, tied, tied him to a tree, and burst into the schoolroom with such a noise and clatter that Tommy and Annika and all their classmates jumped in their seats. Hi there, cried Pippi, waving her big hat. Did I get here in time for, uh, pluffification? Tommy and Annika had told their teacher that a new girl named Pippi Longstocking was coming, and the teacher had already heard about Pippi in the little town. She was a very pleasant teacher. She had decided to do all that she could to make Pippi happy in school. Pippi threw herself down on a vacant bench without having been invited to do so, but the teacher paid no attention to her. She simply said in a very friendly voice, Welcome to school, little Pippi. I hope that you will enjoy yourself here and learn a great deal. Yes, and I hope I'll get some Christmas vacation, said Pippi. That is the reason I've come. It's only fair, you know. If you would first tell me your whole name, said the teacher, then I'll register you in school. My name is Pippi Lota Delicacita Window Shade Macrolament Urfem's daughter Longstocking, daughter of Captain Urfram Longstocking, formerly the Terror of the Sea, now a cannibal king. Pippi is really only a nickname because Papa thought that Pippi Lata was too long to say. <laughs> Indeed, said the teacher. Well, then we shall call you Pippi too. But now, she continued, suppose we test you a little and see what you know. You are a big girl and no doubt know a great deal already. Let us begin with arithmetic. Pippi, can you tell me what seven and five are? Pippi, astonished and dismayed, looked at her and said, well, if you don't know that yourself, you needn't think I'm going to tell you. All the children shared in horror at Pippi, and the teacher explained that one couldn't answer that way in school. I beg your pardon, said Pippi. I didn't know that. I won't do it again. No, let us hope not, said the teacher, and now I will tell you that seven and five are twelve. See that, said Pippi. You knew it yourself. Why are you asking? The teacher decided to act as if nothing unusual were happening and went on with her, with her examination. Well, now, Pippi, how much do you think eight and four are? Oh, about 67, hazard Pippi. Of course not, said the teacher. Eight and four are 12. Well, now, really, my dear little woman, said Pippi, that is carrying things too far. You just said that seven and five are 12. There should be some rhyme and reason to things even in school. Furthermore, if you are so childishly interested in that foolishness, why don't you sit down in the corner by yourself and do arithmetic and leave us alone so we can play tag? The teacher decided there was no point in trying to teach Pippi any more arithmetic. She began to ask the children other arithmetic questions. Can Tommy answer this one? She asked. If Lisa has seven apples and Axel has nine apples, how many apples do they have together? Yes, you tell, Tommy, Pippi interrupted. And tell me too, if Lisa gets a stomach ache and Axel gets more stomach achy, whose fault is it and where did they get a hold of all those apples in the first place? The teacher tried to pretend that she hadn't heard and turned to Annika. Now, Annika, here's an example for you. Gustav was with his schoolmates on a picnic. 
He had a quarter when he started out and seven cents when he got home. How much did he spend? Yes, indeed, said Pippi, and I also want to know why he was so extravagant. And if he was... And if it was Pop he bought, and if he washed his ears properly before he left home. The teacher decided to give up arithmetic altogether. She thought maybe Pippi would prefer to learn to read. She took out a pretty little card with a picture on on it in front of... Oh, sorry. She took out a pretty little card with a picture of an ibex on it. In front of the ibex nose was the letter I. Now, Pippi, she said briskly, you'll see something jolly. You see here an ibex, and the letter in front of this is called I. And just for the record, uh, in case you didn't know what an ibex was, and uh, maybe, you know, you want to avoid Googling it, um, Auntie Georgia just found out that it is a type of goat. Uh, Kind of looks like a ram. Um, but you know, I Googled it to save you from having to Google it because I had no idea what that was. Anyways, that I'll never believe, said Pippi. I think it looks exactly like a straight line and with a little fly speck over it. But what I'd really like to know is what, what has the Ibex to do with the fly speck? The teacher took out another card with a picture of a snake on it and told, and told Pippi that that the letter on that was an S. Mm. Speaking of snakes, said Pippi, I'll never ever forget that time I had a flight with a huge snake. A fight. <laughs> Sorry, I just cannot read. Speaking of snakes, said Pippi, I'll never ever forget that time I had a fight with a huge snake in India. You can't imagine what a dreadful snake it was. 14 yards long and mad as a hornet, and every day he ate up five Indians and then two little children for dessert, and one time he came and he wanted me for dessert, and he wounded himself, and he wound himself around me, but I've been around a bit, I said, and hit him in the head, bang, and then he hissed, and then I hit him again, and bingo, he was dead, and indeed, so that's the letter S, most remarkable. Pippi had to, to stop to get her breath, and the teacher had now begun to think that Pippi was unruly and was a unruly and troublesome child. <sighs> Excuse me, it was a big yawn. All right, where was I? And the teacher, who had now begun to think that Pippi was unruly, an unruly and troublesome child decided that the class should have drawing for a while. Surely Pippi could sit still and be quiet and draw, thought the teacher. She took out paper and pencils and passed them out to the children. Now you may draw whatever you wish, she said, and she sat down at her desk and began to correct homework. In a little while, she looked up to see how the drawing was going. All the children sat looking at Pippi, who lay flat on the floor, drawing to her heart's content. But Pippi, said the teacher impatiently, why in the world aren't you drawing on your paper? I feel that long ago. There isn't enough room for my whole horse on that little snip of paper, said Pippi. Just now, I'm working on the front legs, and when I get to his tail, I guess I'll have to go out in the hall. The teacher thought hard for a while. Suppose instead we all sing a little song, she suggested. All the children stood up by their seats except for Pippi. She stayed where she was on the floor. 
You go ahead and sing, she said. I'll rest myself a while. Too much learning breaks even the healthiest. But now the teacher's patience came to an end. She told all the children to go out into the yard so she could talk to Pippi alone. When the teacher and Pippi were alone, Pippi got up and walked to the desk. Do you know what, she said. It was awfully jolly to come to school to find out what it was like, but I don't think I care about going to school anymore. Christmas vacation or no Christmas vacation. There's altogether too many apples and ibexes and snakes and things like that. It makes me dizzy in the head. I hope that you, teacher, won't be sorry. But the teacher said she certainly was sorry, most of all because Pippi wouldn't behave decently and that any girl who acted so badly as Pippi did so badly as Pippi did wouldn't be allowed to go to school even if she'd ever wanted to have I behaved badly asked Pippi much astonished goodness I didn't know that she added and looked very sad and nobody could look as sad as Pippi when she was sad she stood silent for a while and when she said in a trembling voice you you understand teacher don't you that when you have a mother who's an angel and a father who's a cannibal king and when you have sailed an ocean all your whole life then you don't know just how to behave in school with all the apples and ibexes then the teacher said that she understood and didn't feel annoyed with pippi any longer and maybe pippi would come back to school when she was a little older pippi positively beamed with delight i think you're awfully nice teacher and here's something for you out of her pocket, Pippi took a lovely little gold watch and laid it on the desk. The teacher said she couldn't possibly accept such a valuable gift from Pippi, but Pippi replied, You've got to take it, otherwise I'll come back again tomorrow, and that would be a pretty how-do-you-do. Then Pippi rushed out of the schoolyard and jumped on her horse, and all the children gathered around to pet the horse and see her off. You ought to know about the schools in Argentina, said Pippi, looking down at the children. That's where you should go. Easter vacation begins three days after Christmas vacation ends. And when Easter vacation is over, there are three days and then it's summer vacation. Summer vacation ends and the first of November at the first of November. And then you have enough time until Christmas vacation begins on November 11th. But you can stand that because there are at least... There are at least no lesson it, lessons. It is strictly against the law to have lessons in Argentina. Once in a while, it happens that some Argentine kid sneaks into sneaks into a closet and sits there studying a lesson, and it's just too bad for him if his mother finds him. Arithmetic, they don't have that in all the schools. And if there is any kid who knows what seven and five are, he has to stand in the corner all day. That's it. If he's foolish enough to let the teacher know that he knows they have a reading on Friday and then only if they have some books, which they never have. But what do they do in school? Asked one of the little boys. Eat caramels, said Pippi. There is a long pipe that goes from the caramel factory nearby directly into the schoolroom. And the caramels keep shooting out all day long so the children have all they can so so the children have all they can do to eat them up. Yes, but what does the teacher do? asked the little girl. Takes the paper off the caramels for the children, of course, said Pippi. You don't suppose they did it themselves, did you? Hardly. They don't even go to school themselves. They send their brothers. Pippi waved her big hat. So long, kids, she cried. Now you won't be, you won't see me for a while, but always remember how many apples Axel had or you'll be sorry. With a ringing laugh, Pippi rode out through the gate so wildly that the pebbles whirled around the horse's hoofs and the window panes rattled in the schoolhouse.
Chapter 5 Pippi sits on the gate and climbs a tree. Outside Villa Vicula sat Pippi, Tommy, and Annika. Pippi sat on one gatepost, Annika on the other, and Tommy sat on the gate. It was warm and beautiful. It was a warm and beautiful day towards the end of August. A pear tree that grew close to the fence stretched its branches so low that the children could sit and pick the best little red gold pears without any trouble at all. They munched and ate and spit pear cores out onto the road. Villa Vicula stood just at the edge of the little town, where the street turned into a country road. The people in the little town loved to go walking out Villa Vicula Way, for the country out there was so beautiful. As children were sitting there eating pears, a girl came walking along the road from the town. When she saw the children, she stopped and asked, Have you seen my papa go by? Hmm, said Pippi. How did he look? Did he have blue eyes? Yes, said the girl. Medium large, not too tall and not too short? Yes, said the girl. Black hat and black shoes? Yes, exactly, said the girl eagerly. No, that one we haven't seen, said Pippi decidedly. The girl looked crestfallen and went offward, went off without a word. Wait a minute, shrieked Pippi after her. Was he bald-headed? No, he certainly was not, the girl said crossly. Lucky for him, said Pippi and spit out her pear core. The girl hurried away, but then Pippi shouted, Did he have big ears that reached way down to his shoulders? No, said the girl and turned and came running back in amazement. You don't mean to say that you've seen a man walking by with such big ears? I have never seen anyone who walks with his ears, Pippi said. All the people I know walk with their feet. Oh, don't be silly. I mean, have you seen a man who has such big ears? No, said Pippi. There isn't anybody with such big ears. It was. It would be ridiculous. How would they look? It's impossible to have such big ears, at least not in this country, she added after a thoughtful pause. Of course, in China, it's a little different. I once saw a Chinese man. His ears were so big that he could use them for a cape. When it rained, he just crawled in under his ears and was warm and snug as you please. Of course, his ears didn't have it so good. If it was very bad weather, he used to invite his friends to camp under his ears. There they sat and sang songs, sang sad songs while the rain poured down. They liked him a lot because of his ears. His name was Hai Shang. You should have seen Hai Shang run run to work in the morning. He always came dashing in at the last minute because he loved to sleep late. And you can't imagine how funny he looked rushing in with his ears slammed behind him like two golden sails. The girl stopped and stood open-mouthed listening to Pippi. And Tommy and Annika forgot to eat any more pears. They were so utterly absorbed in the story. He had more children than he could count, and the littlest one was named Peter, said Pippi. Oh, but a Chinese baby can't be called Peter, interrupted Tommy. That's just what his wife said to him. A Chinese baby can't be called Peter. But Hai Shang was dreadfully stubborn, and he said that the baby should be called Peter or nothing. And then he sat down in a corner and pulled his ears over his head and howled, and his poor wife had to give in, of course, and, call, and the, the kid was called Peter. Really, said Annika. It was the hatefulest kid in Shanghai, continued Pippi, fussy about his food so that his mother was most unhappy. You know, of course, that they eat... Sorry. (laughs) You know, of course, that they eat swallow's nest in China. 
And there sat his mother with a whole plate full of swallow's nest trying to feed him. Now little Peter, she said, come, we'll eat swallow's nest for daddy. But Peter just sat with his mouth tight and shook his head. At last, Hai Shang was so angry that he said that no new food should be prepared for Peter until he's eaten a swallow's nest for daddy. And when Hai Shang said something, that was that. And that was that. The same swallow's nest rode in and out of the kitchen from May until October. On the 14th of July, his mother begged to be allowed to give Peter a couple meatballs, but Hang Shai said, no, nonsense, the girls said the girl in the road. Yes, that's what Shanghai said, continued Pippi. Nonsense, he said. It's perfectly plain that the child can eat the swallow's nest if he'll only stop being so stubborn. But Peter kept his mouth shut tight from May to October. But how would he live? asked Tommy. Okay, so, but how could he live? asked Tommy, astonished. He couldn't live, said Pippi. He died of plain common ordinary pigheadedness. The 18th of October, he was buried the 19th, and on the 20th, a swallow fell in through the window and laid an egg in the nest, which was standing on the table. So it came in handy after all. No harm done, said Pippi happily. Then she looked thoughtfully at the bewildered girl who still stood on the road. Why do you look so funny? asked Pippi. What's the matter? You don't really think that I'm sitting here telling lies to you. Just tell me if you do, said Pippi threateningly and rolled up her sleeves. Oh, no, indeed, said the girl terrified. I I don't really mean that you're lying, but no, said Pippi. But it's just what I'm doing. I'm lying, so my tongue is turning black. Do you really think that a child can live without food May to October? To be sure, I know they can get along without food for three or four months, all right. But from May to October, it's just foolish to think that. You must know that that's a lie. You mustn't let people fool you so easily. Then the girl left without turning around again. People will believe anything, Pippi said to Tommy and Annika. From May to October? That's ridiculous. Then she called after the girl. No, we haven't seen your papa. We haven't seen a single bald-headed person all day. But yesterday, 17 of them went by, arm in arm. Pippi's garden was really lovely. You couldn't... You couldn't say it was well kept, but there were wonderful grass plots that were never cut and old rose bushes that were full of white and yellow and pink roses. Perhaps not so much fine roses, but oh, how sweet they smelled. A good many fruit trees grew there too, and the best of all, several ancient oaks and elms that were in excellent climbing condition. The trees in Tommy and Annika's garden were not very good for climbing, and besides, their mother was always so afraid that they would fall and get hurt that they were never allowed to climb them much. But now, Pippi said, suppose we climb in that big oak tree? Tommy jumped down from the gate at once, delighted with the suggestion. Annika was a little hesitant, but when she saw that the trunk had a nubby place to climb on, she too thought it would be fun to try. A few feet above the ground, the oak divided into two branches, and right there was a place just like a little room. Before long, all three children were sitting there. Over their heads, the oak spread out in the crown like a great green roof. We could drink coffee here, said Pippi. I'll skip in and make a little. Tommy and Annika clapped their hands and shouted, Bravo! In a little while, Pippi had the coffee ready. She had made buns the day before. She came and stood under the oak and began to toss the coffee cups. Tommy and Annika caught them, only sometimes it was the oak that caught them, and so two cups had broken. Pippi ran in to get the new ones. Next, it was the bun's turn, and for a while the air was full of flying buns. At least they didn't break. 
At, le- at last, Pippi climbed up with the coffee pot in one hand. She had cream in a little bottle in her pocket and sugar in a little box. Tommy and Annika thought coffee had never tasted so good before. They were not allowed to drink it every day, only when they were at a party, and now they were at a party. Annika spilled a little coffee in her lap. First it was warm and wet, and then it was cold and wet, but that didn't matter to her. When they finished, Pippi threw the cups down on the grass. I want to see how strong the china they make these days is, she said. Strangely enough, one cup and three saucers held together, and only the spout of the coffee pot broke. Presently, Pippi decided to climb a little higher. Can you beat this? she cried suddenly. The tree is hollow. There in the trunk was a big hole, which the leaves had hid, had been hidden from the children's sight. Oh, may I climb up and look too? called Tommy, but there was no answer. Pippi, where are you? he cried, worried. Then they heard Pippi's voice, not far above, but from way down below. It sounded as if it came from under the ground. I'm inside the tree. It is hollow and clear down to the ground. If I peek out through a little crack, I can see the coffee pot outside the grass. Oh, how will you get up again? cried Annika. I'm never coming up, said Pippi. I'm going to stay here until I retire and get a pension, and you'll have to throw my food down through the hole up there five or six times a day. Okay, so I'm reading these chapters on my lunch break at work, and so I'm in uh, basically my office parking lot, and there's a walking path, so there's people that walk and jog and walk their dogs, and um, it's just a really nice location, and there was a man who had his dog in a baby stroller, not like a dog stroller, but an actual baby stroller. And if you know Auntie Jojo really well, then you know that my doggie used to, um, I used to carry her in my book bag a lot and I always thought about putting her in a baby stroller, but Grammy and Grandpa told me that I couldn't put her in a baby stroller because that would be spoiling her too much. But this older gentleman looks adorable with his little Shih Tzu in a baby stroller and it distracted me from reading. So I wanted to share that with you guys. <sighs> so let's, uh, let's get back to this book. I'm never coming up, said Pippi. I'm going to stay here until I retire and get a pension. And you'll have to throw my food down through the hole up there, five or six times a day. Annika began to cry. Why be sorry? Why complain, said Pippi. You come down here too, and then we can play that. Then we can play that we are pining away in a dungeon. Pining away in a dungeon. Never in this world, said Annika. And to be on the safe side, she climbed right down out of the tree. Annika, I can see you through the crack, cried Pippi. Don't step on the coffee pot. It's an old, well-mannered coffee pot that never did anything to harm anyone. It can't help it that it doesn't have a spout any longer. Annika went up to the tree trunk, and through a little crack, she saw the very tip of Pippi's finger. This comforted her a good deal, but she was still worried. Pippi, can't you really get up? She asked. Pippi's finger disappeared, and in less than a minute, her face popped out of the hole in the tree. Maybe I can if I try very hard, she said, and parted the foliage with her hands. If it's an, if it is as easy as it was, if it's as easy as all that to get up, said Tommy, who was still up on the tree, then I want to come down and pine away a little too. Wait, said Pippi, I think we'll get a ladder. 
She crawled out of the hole and hurried down the tree. Then she ran after a ladder, pushed it up the tree, and let it down the hole. Tommy was wild to go down. It was difficult to climb to the hole because it was so high, but Tommy was brave, and he wasn't afraid to climb down into the dark, hollow tree trunk. Annika watched him disappear and wondered if she would ever see him again. She peeked in through the crack. Annika? came Tommy's voice. You can't imagine how wonderful it is here. You must come down too. It isn't the least bit dangerous when you have a ladder to climb on. If you only do it once, you'll never want to do anything else. Are you sure? asked Annika. Absolutely, said Tommy. With trembling legs, Annika climbed up in the tree again and Pippi helped her with the last hard bit. She drew excuse me she drew back a little when she was sorry guys having a little trouble reading I was reading too fast and I think I lost my breath she drew back a little when she saw how dark it was in the tree trunk but Pippi held her hand and kept encouraging her don't be scared Annika she heard Tommy say from way down below now I can see your legs and I'll certainly catch you if you fall But Annika didn't fall. She reached Tommy safely, and a moment later, Piper followed. It's grand in here, said Tommy. Annika had to admit that it was. It wasn't nearly as dark as she thought, because the light came through the crack. She peeked through and announced that she, too, could see the coffee pot from outside on the grass. We'll have this for our secret hiding place, said Tommy. No one will know that we're here, and if they should come and hunt outside for us, we can see them through the crack, and we'll get a good laugh. We can have a little stick and poke it out through the crack and tickle them, and then they'll think this place is haunted, said Pippi. At the idea, the children were so delighted that they hugged each other, all three. Then they heard the ding-dong that meant the bell was ringing for dinner at Tommy and Annika's house. Oh, brother, said Tommy. Now we've got to go home. We'll come over tomorrow as soon as we get back from school. Do that, said Pippi. And she cli- And so they climbed up the ladder, first Pippi, then Annika, and Tommy last. And then they climbed down out of the tree, first Pippi, then Annika, and Tommy last. Chapter 6. Pippi Arranges a Picnic We don't have any school today because we're having scrubbing vacation, said Tommy to Pippi. Scrubbing vacation? Well, I like that, said Pippi. Another injustice. Do I get a scrubbing vacation? Indeed, I don't. Though goodness knows I need one. Just look at this kitchen floor. But that's no matter, she added. Now I come to think of it, I can scrub without any vacation. And that's what I intend to do right now. Scrubbing vacation or no scrubbing vacation? I'd like to see anybody stop me. You two sit on the kitchen table out of the way. Tommy and Annika obediently climbed up on the kitchen table, and Mr. Nielsen hopped hopped up after them and went to sleep on Annika's lap. Pippi heated a kettle of water and, without more ado, poured it on the kitchen floor. She took off her big shoes and laid them neatly on the bread plate. She tied two scrubbing brushes on her bare feet and skated all over the floor, plowing through the water so that it splashed all around. I certainly should have been a skating princess, she said, and kicked her feet, her left foot up so high that the scrubbing brush broke a piece out of the overhead light. Grace and charm I have at last, she continued, and skipped nimbly over the chair, standing in her way. Well, now I guess it's clean, she said at last, and took off the brushes. Aren't you going to dry the floor? asked Annika. Oh, no, it can dry by the sun, answered Pippi. I don't think it will catch a cold so long as it keeps moving. 
Tommy and Annika climbed down from the table and stepped across the floor very carefully so they wouldn't get wet. Out of the door, out of doors, the sun shone in a clear blue sky. It was one of those radiant September days that make you feel like walking in the woods. Pippi had an idea. Let's take Mr. Nielsen and go on a picnic. Oh, yes, cried Tommy and Annika. Run home and ask your mother then, she said, and I'll be getting a picnic basket ready. Tommy and Annika thought that was a good suggestion. They rushed home and were back again almost immediately, but Pippi had already... Pippi was already waiting by the gate with Mr. Nielsen on her shoulder, a walking stick in one hand and a big basket in the other. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were hanging out with somebody like Pippi, she's a young girl who lives in a home all by herself, who has a horse and a little baby monkey, and she cooks and she cleans and she wears the same clothes every day. And you go on all these kind of crazy adventures and she shows up at school and back talks the teacher and just has all these insane adventures climbing all over the roof hiding in a tree and you hang out with her a couple of times go on some of these adventures and then you tell your mom and dad that you've had these adventures with this crazy girl named Pippi. do you think that your mom is gonna let you go on a picnic with her again i don't think that my mom would but Honestly, she sounds like a good time. And you know what? The more I think about it, if your parents let you spend time with Auntie Jojo, they'll probably be okay with you spending time with Pippi. The children walked along the road a little way and then turned into a pasture where a pleasant path wound in and and out among the thickets. Presently, they came to a gate, on the other side of which was an even more beautiful pasture, but right in front of the gate stood a cow who looked as if nothing would persuade her to move. Annika yelled at her, and Tommy bravely went up and tried to push her away, but she just stood there staring at the children with her big cow eyes. To put an end to the matter, Pippi set down her basket and lifted the cow out of the way. The cow, looking very silly, lumbered off into the hazel bushes. How can cows be so bullheaded, said Pippi, and jumped over the gate. What a lovely, lovely wood, cried Annika in delight as she climbed up on all the stones she could see. Tommy had brought along a dagger Pippi had given him, and with it he cut walking sticks for Annika and himself. He cut his little, he cut his thumb a little too, but that didn't matter. Maybe out to pick Maybe we ought to pick some mushrooms, said Pippi, as she broke off a pretty rosy one. I wonder if it's possible to eat it, she continued. At any rate, it isn't possible to drink it, that much I know, so there is no choice except to eat it. Maybe it's possible. She took a bite and swallowed it. It was possible, she announced, delighted. Yes, sirree. Well, we'll certainly stew the rest sometime, she said as she threw it in the high top. In... Ugh. Yes, sirree, we'll certainly stew the rest of this sometimes, she said as she threw it high over the treetops. What have you got in your basket, asked Annika. Is it something good? I wouldn't tell you for a thousand dollars, said Pippi. First, we must find a good picnic spot. The children eagerly began to look for such a place. Annika found a large flat stone that she thought was satisfactory, but it was covered in red ants. I don't want to sit with them, said Pippi, because I'm not acquainted with them. And besides, they bite, said Tommy. Do they? Pippi said. Bite them back then. 
Then Tommy found a little clearing among the hazel bushes, and he thought that this would be a good place. Oh no, that's not sunny enough for my freckles, said Pippi, and I do think my freckles are so attractive. Farther on, they came to a hill that was an easy climb. On one side of the hill was a nice sunny rock, just like a balcony, and there, there they sat down. Now shut your eyes while I set the table, said Pippi. Tommy and Annika squeezed their eyes as tightly shut as possible. They heard Pippi opening the basket and rattling paper. One, two, nineteen. Now you may look, said Pippi at last. They looked and they squealed with delight when they saw all the good things that Pippi had spread on the bare rock. There were good sandwiches with meatballs and ham, a whole pile of sugared pancakes, several little brown sausages, and three pineapple puddings. For you see, Pippi had learned cooking from the cook on her father's ship. Aren't scrubbing vacations grand, said Tommy with his mouth full of pancakes. We ought to have them every day. No, indeed. I'm not that anxious to scrub, said Pippi. It's fun, to be sure, but not every day. That would be too tiresome. At last, the children were so full that they could hardly move, and they sat in the sunshine and enjoyed it. I wonder if it is hard to fly, said Pippi, looked, looking dreamily over the edge of a rock. The rock sloped down very steeply below them, and it was a long way down to the ground. Down at last. Down at least one ought to be able to learn how to fly, she continued. It must be harder to fly up. But you could begin with the easiest way. I do think I'll try. No, Pippi, cried both Tommy and Annika. Oh, dear Pippi, don't do that. But Pippi was already standing on the edge. Fly, you foolish fly, fly, fly. And the foolish fly flew, she said. And just as she said flew, she lifted her arms and took off into the air. In half a second, there was a thud. It was Pippi hitting the ground. Tommy and Annika lay over their lay on their stomachs and looked down at her terrified. Pippi got up and brushed off her knees. I forgot to flap, she said joyfully, and I guess I had too many pancakes in my stomach. At that moment, the children noticed that Mr. Nielsen had disappeared. He had evidently gone off on a little expedition of his own. They remembered that they had last seen him content contently chewing the picnic basket to pieces, but during Pippi's flight experiment, they had forgotten him and now he was gone. Pippi was so angry that she threw her shoe into a deep pool of water. You should have never taken monkeys with you anywhere, she said. He he should have been left at home to pick fleas off the horse. <sighs> that would have served him right, she said, continuing, waddling out into the pool to get her shoe. The water reached her waist. I might as well have taken advantage of this and washed my hair, said Pippi, and ducked her head under the water and it kept and kept it there so long that the water began to bubble. There now, I've saved a visit to the hairdresser, she said contently, when at last she came up for air. She stepped out of the pool and put on her shoe. Then they went off to hunt for Mr. Nielsen. Hear how it squishes when I walk, she laughed. It says, kush, kush, in my dress and squish, squish, in my shoes. Isn't that jolly? I think you ought to try it too, she said to Annika, who was walking beside her with her lovely flax flaxen hair, pink dress, and white kid shoes. Some other time, said Annika. They walked on. Mr. Nielsen certainly can be acerbating. Exasperating. Exasperating. <laughs> Mr. Nielsen can be exasperating.
All right. Well, having a lot of difficulty pronouncing words today. He's always doing things like this. Once in Mexico, he ran away from me and took a position as a maid servant to an elderly widow. That last was a lie, of course, she added after a pause. Tommy suggested they all three go in different directions and hunt. At first, Annika didn't want to because she was a little afraid. But Tommy said, you're an afraidy cat, are you? And of course, Annika couldn't tolerate an insult, so off she went. Today, sorry, Tommy went through a field. Mr. Nielsen, he did not find. But he did find something else, a bull. Or to be more exact, the bull found Tommy. And the bull did not like Tommy, for he was a very cross bull who was not at all fond of children. With his head down, he charged towards Tommy, bellowing fearfully. Tommy let out a terrified shriek that could be heard all through the woods. Pippi and Annika heard it and came running to see what was the matter. But by the time the bull had almost reached Tommy, who had fallen head over heels into a stump. What a stupid bull, said Pippi to Annika, who was crying uncontrollably. Uncontrollably, He ought to know. He can't act like that. He'll get Tommy's white sailor suit all dirty. I'll have to go and talk some sense into that stupid animal. Off she started. She ran up and pulled the bull by the tail. Forgive me for breaking up the party, she said, since she had given his tail a good hard pull. The bull turned around and saw a new child to catch on his horns. As I was saying, went on Pippi, forgive me for breaking up and also forgive me for breaking off. And with that, she broke off one of the bull's horns. It isn't the it isn't the style to have two horns this year, she said. All the better bulls have just one, if any. And she broke off the other horn too. As the bulls as bulls have no feelings in their horns, this one didn't know what she had done. He charged at Pippi, and if she had been any other child, there would have been nothing left but a grease pot. Hey, 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 stop tickling me, shrieked Pippi. You can't imagine how ticklish I am. Hey, stop, or I'll die laughing. But the bull didn't stop, and at last Pippi jumped up on the back to get a little rest. To be sure, she didn't get much, because the bull, in the last approve of having Pippi on its back, didn't in the least approve having Pippi on its back. He dodged about madly to get her off. She, But she clamped her knees and hung on. The bull dashed up and down the field, bellowing so hard that smoke came out of its nostrils. Pippi laughed and shrieked and waved at Tommy and Annika, who stood a little distance away, trembling like aspen leaves. The bull whirled around and around, trying to throw Pippi off. "'See me dancing with my little friend,' she cried." and kept her seat. At last, the bull was so tired that he lay on the ground and wished that he had never seen such a thing in a child, such a thing as a child. He had never thought children amounted to much anyways. Are you going to take a little nap now? asked Pippi. Then I won't disturb you. She got off his back and went over to Tommy and Annika. Tommy had cried a little. He had a cut on his arm, but Annika had bandaged it with her handkerchief so that it only hurt a little. Oh, Pippi, cried Annika excitedly. Shh, shh, shh whispered Pippi. Don't wake the bull. He's sleeping. If we wake him, he'll be fussy. But the next minute, without saying anything, without paying any attention to the bull in his nap, she was shrieking at the top of her voice. Mr. Nielsen! Mr. Nielsen! Where are you? We've got to go home! And believe it or not, there sat Mr. Nielsen in a pine tree, sucking his tail and looking very lonely. It wasn't much fun for a little monkey to be left alone in the woods. He skipped down from the pine and up on Pippi's shoulder, 
waving his little straw hat as he always did when he was very happy. Well, well, so you aren't going to be a maidservant this time, said Pippi. Oh, that was a lie, that's true, she continued. But still, if it's true, how can it be a lie, she argued. You wait and see, it's going to turn out that he was a maidservant in Mexico after all. And if that's the case, I know who's going to make the meatballs in our house hereafter. And then they strolled home, Pippi's dress still and her shoes squish squish. Tommy and Annika thought they had they had had a wonderful day in spite of the bull, and they sang a song they had learned in school. It was really a summer song, but they thought it was fitted very well, even if it's now early autumn. And uh, Auntie Jojo is going to attempt to sing this song to finish this chapter out. In the jolly summertime, through field and wood, we make our way. Nobody's sad, nobody's gay. We sing as we go, hola, hola. You who are young, come join in our song. Don't sit home moping all day long. Our song will swell through wood and dell and up the mountain top as well. In the jolly summertime, we sing as we go, hola, hola. Pippi sang too with slightly different words. In the jolly summertime, through field and wood, I make my way. I do exactly as I wish, and when I walk, it goes squish, 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 squish. And my old shoe, it's really true, sometimes says chip and sometimes chew, for the shoe is wet and the bull sleeps yet, and I eat all the rice pudding I can get in the jolly summertime. I squish wherever I go, squish oh, squish oh. That is a wonderful summertime song. And I believe that there's a few of my nieces and nephews that have summertime birthdays. So I think instead of singing happy birthday, Auntie Jojo might just sing, you know, this good old jolly summertime song. What do you guys think? Is that a good idea? There's some no's there, a couple of yeses. Well, you know, we'll revisit that when we finish the book and and it gets closer to the birthdays. Thank you for joining me for these chapters of the book, Pippi Longstocking. We will be reading chapters 7, 8, and 9 on our next episode, which releases next Tuesday. And then we're going to finish the book after that with chapters 10 and 11. If you have story suggestions, you know where to email me at. You can find us on Instagram at Auntie Jojo's Library. Um, and as always, I am looking forward to sharing more stories with you and singing in my absolute best singing voice for you.